You know, guys, when you get to be our age, finding the motivation to get back in shape can be hard. It's just plain tough to find a routine and to stick with it. Good news. FitBod is a fitness app that is anything but routine. It tailors your workouts to fit your life, your goals, your gear, and even your schedule, so you can avoid burnout. And FitBod helps keep up your momentum by mixing in different exercises, reps, supersets, and circuits. Best yet, FitBod has over 1,000 demonstration videos, so you can learn the right way to do each exercise. It's time to ditch the boring routines and kickstart your fitness journey. Add FitBod to your workout essentials. Join today to get your personalized workout plan. Get 25% off your subscription or try the app for free at fitbod.me slash Zabe. That's F-I-T-B-O-D dot M-E slash Zabe. Today on the ZabeCast, you can ask me anything. Just don't get mad at an answer you might not like. I'll weigh in on the Darius Geis Combine interview controversy. Drew Olson from the Big 920 in Milwaukee joins me. What are the Packers doing and why it makes no sense to get lathered up about things that haven't yet happened? All that plus Katy Perry, none killer. You got 45 minutes to kill, then buckle up and let's go. Oh, here we go. Tuesday, March 13, 2018. Thank you. For tuning in to the ZabeCast, I appreciate your ears and your time. The Gargantu Bracket is now up and available at Zabe.com. Ding, ding, ding. Got to give big thanks to two people. Brad Turner, who went ahead and put in the work yet again this year. He's kind of got it down to a science and loves being the architect of the Gargantu Bracket. And also Chris Broussard, who has been working the email portal by which you are going to have to go through to get the bracket this year. Yes, 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 I'm getting into the email business, but I promise you I am not selling your email to any outside parties, at least not yet until I get a great offer. Just kidding, just kidding. And I am not going to spam you to death, and if at any time you want to unsubscribe from my email list, then we will make it very very easy to do. Make it hard to do. Uh, very, very easy to do. Like one click. Seven clicks. Just kidding. No, you, I will not trap you in an email hell. I'm actually planning on using that email list to then send people cheat sheets so they can click along to the links and the videos and the stories that I will talk about on Bob and Brian in the morning and also before my show in the afternoon here in D.C. So it'll be a service for you that is absolutely free. So I'm in the process of making people jump through the little hoop, which is give me an email and you'll get emailed the link to then download the pristine PDF in full glorious color in any way you like, whether it's the eight and a half by 11 micro sheet or the double sided sheet or the eight, 11 by 17, whatever. Uh, all you got to do is send me an email, send it from a burner email account. What do I care? Right? Kirk Cousins is closing in on a three-year deal with the Minnesota Vikings. It's not yet done. It's supposedly going to be fully guaranteed. It's going to be just south of $30 million a year. If it is fully guaranteed for three years, he could change the entire contract structure of the NFL. Or maybe not. We shall see. I'll wait until that thing actually goes final in a day or so before I go into it any deeper. 
So let's tackle this Darius Geis story from the Combine in which he claims one team, which he has not yet identified, and certain members of that team's delegation, he claims, Darius Geis, that he was asked, do you like men? And I think I read that he was also asked something along the lines of, is your mom a prostitute? This, of course, generated the usual harumphing and indignance and high-horsing amongst those in the football media. And again, had the league and the Players Association reiterating that, hey, 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 these things are not supposed to be asked. Okay. Where do I stand on this? Well, to me, I don't think they're productive questions, although some people, notably uh, Will Kane of ESPN, uh, now the new resident contrarian, the right-leaning contrarian, because they always have to have one on staff so they can say, oh, we got viewpoints of all kinds. He claimed uh, in his show this past week that these questions actually have value. They have value in terms of judging the reactions that you might get from a player when you ask him that question. I'm a bit dubious of that, but I do have this question to ask. So you're telling me that 32 teams sent out at least three or four representatives to meet with hundreds of players at the NFL Combine to ask them dozens of questions about all kinds of things. And yet only one team only asked one player two questions that were out of bounds, despite there being a memo from the league that says, do not ask these kind of questions. Because at least as far as it stands now, if you take everything at face value, that's it. That's the sum total of teams. 32 teams, at least, I'm guessing three people in that room interviewing the guy, hundreds of players, thousands of questions in aggregate, only two that flew out of bounds. That's odd to me. Because why would a team only ask one guy those two questions? Well, maybe they thought that Darius Geis was gay. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but they just want to know before they draft him and see how it's going to affect the locker room. Eh, okay. That, I guess that would be the most obvious theory. But it doesn't smell right to me. Something tells me, and I'm not saying, by the way, that Geis is lying. No, I haven't really even considered that. It's, it's possible he is exaggerating. I don't think he would flat out lie. Uh, my theory is this. Either this particular team, which he hasn't named yet and may never name, either they asked all of their players these same two questions and only Darius Geis went public with it, or more than this team itself asked questions that might be out of bounds, but other players and their agents have told their guys, look, if they ask you something goofy, just, you know, just swat it away. If they say, do you like men? Just say, get the fuck out of here. What kind of question is that? If I did, so what? If I don't, who cares? Next question. Do the Drew Rosenhaus next question. See, that's what I would hope players would do. That's what I would do if I was in their situation. I wouldn't be like, oh God, how do I answer this? Do I like men? Or is your mom a prostitute? If you were really offended, then you could say, fuck you. I bet your mom's a whore and a shitty one at that. There you go. Now go ahead and draft me. Ooh, but the word might get out that you have an attitude problem. Well, maybe. Or the team that had the balls to ask you a question that you were offended by 
might just take you off their list, which would be a what? Win for you as the player if you told them to go fuck off. Another theory would be that this team that asked these questions that were out of bounds, at the end of the interview said, hey, you know what, Darius, sorry about that question about you know liking men and your mom. Those weren't real questions. We just like to throw those in there to kind of see how guys react. Uh, they weren't real questions. So if you don't mind, just kind of keep that between us. You know, it's just something we do. It's no big deal. But, yeah, just you know, be, be good for all of us, you included, if you just, you know, let it go. And maybe every other player they did that to, no matter how many it was, if it was every single player or just a handful of players, maybe all those other players said, ah, yeah, okay, fuckers. Yeah, great questions. Thanks. Thanks a lot, you assholes. And then they, you know, joke about it, shake hands, bro hug, and away they go. Um, maybe it was a test by this particular team to see whether or not, if that was the case, whether or not a player could keep something in-house. Sort of the Patriot way. Like, we know we're going to violate a little rule about a silly question we're not supposed to ask. Then at the end of the interview, we're going to smooth things over with the particular player saying, hey, that was just a test. Ignore that. No big deal. And by the way, don't tattle on us. And then they find out if certain guys tattle like Darius Geis, that team then says, okay, well, we're going to take that off our list because we don't want a guy on our team that's going to be tattling about little shit or taking our business out into the street. That could be a theory as well. Either way, I don't know. I think it's a bit overblown. There's too much uh, grandstanding. There's too much stump speeching on this and too much caping up, as I say, as many say about this issue. So we'll see how it plays out. I'd like to know if he's going to name the team. I'm not sure that's ever going to come out. But that's just some stray thoughts on the issue. It didn't quite add up to me. Me personally, I will. You can ask me anything. In fact, I am putting out the call yet again via email, zabe at yahoo.com. You can ask me via Twitter any question you want. For example, Jerry Scott on Twitter said, Zabe, in the new rules of golf for 2019, are you going to putt with the flag stick in or nah? Yeah, I read the article where the first draft, I guess, of what will be the final rules change proposal for 2019 is going to be, and one of those is going to be you can putt with a flag stick in. It's all designed to help speed up play. I would say no, I'm not going to do that. I don't think it would really help. It might help if you blast a putt really hard and it's going to scream through the hole dead center. But I'm more of a traditionalist. I don't want to see that big plunger sitting in the middle of the cup. I do know this, the new one-inch micro drop rule where when you have relief from something or you're taking a a penalty relief of a stroke and you have a defined area, I think it's two club lengths each way, a square, that you can drop the ball anywhere you want in that area and you only have to have it as little as an inch above the ground, just a literal drop. Oh, that's going to be a huge advantage if you get free relief from something because you will now be able to pick out in that little area a nice little tuft of grass or somewhere nice and clear, or if you're in deep rough, you're going to find the thin spot and put it right there. It will be a big advantage in certain cases. I guarantee you, if you're playing a match against somebody and he ends up getting free relief from something, a a shithouse, a fence, a sprinkler head, a concession stand, who knows, and he gets to put that ball in hand and just one inch off the ground and find a spot, oh, I'm in the deep rough here, but... There it is. You're going to be pissed. But the rule is going to be the same for everybody. And so, in theory, in the long run, it'll all even out. But your match for the club championship, the C-Flight, 
uh, against uh, Jerry Tankowitz is not going to be the long run. It's going to be 18 holes. And if that guy beats you on a bullshit drop with a one-inch, you're going to be pissed. Another question, this one from TikTok on Zabe.com after reading my Jamaica post. Zabe, tell me you're not one of those guys who swims with his shirt on. Oh, yeah, as you'll hear from Drew later on in this podcast today, I'm now that guy because I'm so disgusted with how I look. Uh, I did not want to subject anybody to my pale goo. So I bought an actual, I bought a, a swim shirt, which is made out of a specific mirror, mirror material, which dries real quickly. And yeah, it's like a surfer shirt. And didn't have to put on sunscreen on my bare gooey body. Uh, Natine Sardana tweets me, Zabe, please tell me you're not going to start the show on Monday talking about RG3's wedding over the weekend. Well, Natine, if you heard my show in DC on Monday, yes, I did lead with it. But I, I spent less than a minute or two on it, if that. Mazel mazel, as we say, for one Robert Griffin III. Mazel mazel. Good things. Who finally got married to Greta Sideko, the lovely, long-legged Estonian sprinter he met at Florida Well, he didn't meet her at Florida State. She was at Florida State when he was already married in the pros and having a kid. But I don't judge. He's pursuing his own happiness. They also have a child together. Uh, she gave birth, I think, six months ago, and now they're finally getting married. Good things for the two of them. And then I got a question for, via email, which I'll have to get in later because it's a longer one. He said, uh, Zabe, I heard you recently on our podcast say you had Lyme's disease. Lyme disease, not Lyme's, but whatever. Uh, potentially dealing with this currently with my wife. I'm now in the phase of dealing with doctors who evidently don't feel that a test showing positive for Lyme antibodies constitutes anything worthy of treatment. Do you mind sharing your experiences with the disease? <sighs> I will be happy to, but it's going to take a good long time. And I'm not sure everybody that listens to this podcast wants to hear about it, but maybe I'll do a special, a very special edition of the Zabecast, a Lyme disease special. And I'll walk you through all of really the funhouse mirrors of getting diagnosed and treated and figuring out what's going on that I went through. And hopefully it'll help you out if you are potentially facing this as well. All right, Drew Olson, everybody. He is our guest on a Tuesday, and we've got a lot to talk about. This is where the DJ talks. Don't say anything. Okay. Good day and welcome to our single. I'm Bob McKenzie, and this is my brother, Doug. How's it going, eh? Could be worse is what you're saying. In these parts, this is a win. 40 degrees, it's like light jacket time for us. A good a good thick hoodie, Zabe, on a day like today when you're in Wisconsinite is all you need. It's all I wear is hoodies now. I wear hoodies and sweatpants. That's why I'm so fat and disgusted. I need to force myself to wear nothing but slacks and collared shirts so I'm uncomfortable and keenly aware of my fatness every single day. I was just talking about on the air about this because uh, this is doughy season for me. I consume more calories during the tournament wings and beer than any other time of the year. <laughs> doughy season. Exactly. It's fucking exactly. horrible. Yeah. Somebody asked me, because uh, like, they saw pictures of me in Jamaica with a swim shirt on, and they said, tell me you're not a guy who swims with his shirt on. 
And I'm like, fuck yeah, I am. Because I'm at the point where I don't want anyone to see my disgusting cascade of gooey whiteness of a bare shirt. Like, nobody needs to see it. I'm ashamed of it. So, yes, I'm wearing a pool shirt. I don't even uh, walk by mirrors naked. (laughs) I won't even do it. And you know what? There's some guys that are fat that have big old boilers, but they're like firm boilers. And at least their their chest, even though it's not well-defined, obviously, it doesn't look saggy. And I'm almost jealous of those fat guys because they're fat, they're never going to be skinny again, and yet they look sort of acceptable to me. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. That big boiler with kind of the stout chest, That's the big boiler is the Milwaukee Tumor. <laughs> from cheese and beer that's what we call it you call it the milwaukee tumor absolutely that's that's classic i don't think i've ever heard that before oh man come on drew olson with a new term today here on the zabe cast <laughs> by the way we're up and running we're rolling here we like to just re- ease right into it so that we don't have to do a lot of big wind up here <laughs> so being in jamaica drew i got to see more than i cared of cricket have you ever watched cricket at any length whatsoever if uh, by any length you mean 15 seconds, no. Okay. I've seen 15-second clips, and that's all. When you're in another country and you come across cricket and you see the highlights and you hear all the weird terms, do you try to at least get a grasp on how the fuck is this game played and what are the rules? Yes I, or no? No. No, I, not at I, all. I watch it out of bemusement, and I'm, I, I'm not interested enough to dive in but i've never i can't remember the last time i was sequestered with that as my option for entertainment well i was watching it a lot in south africa because that's all they had they did have american tv channels in jamaica so i didn't have to watch cricket but i happened upon it all i could do is just sit there and watch it and go i have no fucking idea how this is played this is ridiculous i know it's sort of like baseball but it's not baseball and so therefore i should be able to figure it out but i can't figure it out It's so weird, which gets me to the question I was going to ask you because you spent so many of your formative years professionally covering American baseball, which is as natural and instinctive as any sport for most of us growing up in America. Do you think baseball is or would be hard to explain to a foreigner? I think so, but I think all of our sports would be football, everything except basketball. You think basketball is the easiest to explain? I would think, yeah. Easier than hockey? Um, Hockey has some esoteric offsides rules. No, hockey is close enough to soccer that the parallels for the rest of the world are, oh, it's like soccer, okay, I got it. I actually have a friend who actually was one of those uh, soccer guys, you know, these little effeminate guys in short pants that, you know, celebrate goals too much and fall down and fake injuries. He started to realize that you attack the goal in soccer kind of the same way you do in hockey, and he's a hockey guy, and now he's into soccer. He, he watches the Premier League Really? Now. Yep. Really? Okay. Hockey was the gateway to soccer, and I think that would be, you know, it'd be understandable that way. Okay, but, and basketball, I guess, is also pretty basic. Yep, I'm going to put the ball in the hoop. you got to stop me. But you That's also have to explain, easy. well, why is that a foul, and why is that not a foul? Because even NBA players today are getting pissier and pissier with the refs about, man, that wasn't no foul. Come on, man. That's true. Football has a ton of crazy-ass rules. Oh, yeah. Very Just arcane the four rules. downs, like, yeah, that, that, that's hard, you know. And then aside from the rules, there's the strategy of, okay, I know the rule is if you don't get a first down, 
after four, three tries, you've got to punt it away or risk losing it if you don't get it on fourth down. But then you get into the strategy of, well, why doesn't a team do this? Or how come they can't do that? That's different from the rules. That's strategy that you would have to explain. Yeah, that, that's another layer too. But cricket should not be that hard to explain, and yet it eludes me all the time. I know it's like baseball. I know you switch ends. They don't run the bases. They run back and forth between where the guy, the bowler, the pitcher is, and the wickets, which you're trying to you're trying to hit the wickets out with a bounced ball, where the guy with the big funny flat bat misses it, and he's just trying to hit it anywhere, basically, anywhere in a 360 degree circle. That's true. Okay. That ends our cricket discussion, everybody. For more on cricket, uh, go to cricket.com. I'm sure that's cricket, a website. Cricket missed its opening because Australian rules football was dominating early ESPN. Uh, yeah, yeah, and Aussie <laughs> rules football. How, do you, how much rugby do you watch? Um, I, uh, when the college sides are on every once – I don't know if it's this time of year when they show like the college tournaments, the college nines or okay. whatever. You'll watch yeah. some of that? I'll, I'll tune in, yeah. One of my earliest memories as a kid uh, was Little League Baseball. We were going to this uh, park, Lewinsville Park, to go practice one day where they had a couple baseball diamonds. They also had rugby, a rugby tournament going on on the soccer fields of this Lewinsville Park. And I remember walking up, and there was a guy who had gotten injured playing you know, amateur rugby, right? And there was paramedics there, and I'm standing as a little Jimmy, 10 years old, listening to the paramedics list all of his injuries. Possible uh, fractured neck, uh, laceration of his uh, lower uh, this, da-da-da-da-da. He was fucked up, Drew. I mean, <laughs> really badly. And, I was, and there was paramedics there and an ambulance. I'm like, Jesus, rugby is insane. Yeah, and the, the sad thing about rugby is um, – more guys get hurt drinking afterwards than ah, they do actually yes. on the field of play. <laughs> ah, yes, indeed. All right, let's talk Packers here. Let's get to it. What are your thoughts on the Deshaun Kaiser trade? Well, when Demarius Randall got sent off the field against the Bears, that was so unprecedented and so shocking to me. I thought he should have been released the next day. Remind the, me of that play because I don't recall it. Well, it was it wasn't a play play. He got benched and he got benched for poor performance, and then was pouting and. Mike McCarthy sent him like, off the field. Get off the like, field in the you second loser. half, he had to go to the locker room. He wasn't injured. He went right. to the lo- he was sent off the fucking field. Bob said it Demarius Randall is always chasing after guys two steps behind, so he's not sad well, to see him go. He was a first round pick who was a bit of a disappointment, but he showed flashes. At times you go, Oh, that's it. He locked that guy down. He did great. And then he'd get burned by some scrub. Or what happened was they sent him off in the Bears game in the middle of the season. And that was horrible. And I thought he should be, we, had, we did shows about it. They release him. You know, you can't have that insubordination. And apparently a lot of the players in the locker room agreed with me. But then what happened was he, they, they put him back in and he got back in good graces. He made a couple picks. Some tipped balls fell into his hands. They yeah. weren't particularly great plays, but he, he performed better. And he was part of some turnovers that kind of kept them afloat towards the end of the year. And then in week 14, he played... Like every snap, he played every snap of a game. Then he said his knee hurt, and he took a powder the last two games. Yeah. Now, Rodgers wasn't playing, and there was nothing there, but he basically quit, and that was the last straw. And they said, we got to get rid of this guy. So I advocated releasing him, so I can't bitch about getting a backup quarterback for him. So, okay, so you're calling uh, for an outright release. Something, they got something for the guy. 
And if Cleveland can unlock his effort, because it, it seems like the disconnect there, he's got, you know, uh, we, we used to say in baseball, he's got all the tools, but he leaves the box at home when he drives to work. <laughs> kind of like my daughter who left her calculator at home today. Uh, she had to retake a big math test. And halfway to school, oh, I forgot my calculator. Oh. I was so pissed. Oh. We did not go back, by the way. She's no. like, no, don't I'm bother. They have to learn. They have to learn. You know, bring your shit to school. Exactly. You know? That's Otherwise. a good lesson. But so, I, I, you know, Deshaun Kaiser, it makes me think Brett Hundley's not going to be on the team, and they might have a plan to move him because you don't trade a former move number him. one pick. Move him for what? To where? To whom? A box of Krispy Kremes for a seventh round pick for cash considerations or something. But So right now there's two layers of suck behind Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Hundley and Kaiser. Yeah, and you absolutely. think that may not last into the training camp? Well, I, I think Kaiser is their guy. Clearly, if push comes to shove, I don't know. I don't know that they'll keep three. Um, Why would they know? think a twenty-two int, zero and sixteen starter, is any fucking good? Well, that's the interesting thing because they they thought Hundley was good and they misread that situation. Oh yeah, exactly. So here's the thing: what 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 gets me about this whole trade is. The Packers were allegedly high on Kaiser in the draft, and they liked the cut of his jib, and they thought about you know taking a swing at him if he'd have fallen to them later, right? Right. If he'd have been on the board. So there's that layer of it. But then Demarius Randall also was a turd who was, you know, some people thought he should have been released, and they saw that he quit and didn't give a lot of effort. And yet Elliot Wolf is a factor in both of these decisions. <laughs> Elliot Wolf now with John Dorsey as they're building, you know, Packers – east on the other great lake right and it's like what the fuck like <laughs> what what do they know like th- th- there's a disconnect there they, the, the teams always know one thing i've learned over the years now uh, watching the nfl and being up close doing my show from an actual nfl facility is these teams know 10x about the player that they have whether he's good or a bag of shit than what we as fans know they know True. everything they know how Attentive he is in meetings. They know how hard he gives effort in practice. They know what other players think of him. They know what the coaching staff thinks of him. And most teams, almost all teams, keep that very much under the wraps. Under wraps. So we don't know. So in that sense, okay, if they've really, if they're done with Demarius Randall, if he's a bag of shit and they got to get rid of him, fine. I just think first round corner, in abstract has a lot of theoretical value given he's under thirty years old versus backup quarterback. You hope never plays that's true doesn't seem to have much value so the Packers better hope Drew that Randall doesn't get his shit together in Cleveland because then people are going to use that like a club against the well and their track record of late of letting guys go like Micah Hyde and Casey Hayward is not great because they let those guys some success yeah and yeah and so that that's not a great track record that they're banking on but you know the Randall didn't play special teams and they know and you're right with Kaiser. I mean, is he an upgrade from Hundley? Who knows? Maybe if they get him in their room, you know, the, the hubris, maybe that hasn't worn off and it wasn't dented by the Hundley experiment. The hubris would say, yeah. uh, the guy's a better athlete with a better arm. We can make something of him, you know. Packers also want to upgrade in the explosiveness department when it comes to wide receivers, that both Jordy post-knee injury and Cobb are good receivers, but they don't lift the lid off of anybody. It looks like you're not going to get two of the bigger names in free agency this period because Watkins is apparently going to the Chiefs and Allen Robinson is going to uh, the Bears, the Bears, which was a dark horse there. 
Yeah. Jimmy Graham is a bit of a rumor. What do you think the Pack may do in that regard? I think they need to address tight end, so Jimmy Graham is a guy that you'd look at. Um, will he make a happy reunion in New Orleans? Is there bad blood? I'm not sure. But, yeah, even though they got burned with the Martellus Bennett signing, they, they need to get that tight end. That's an important spot for them. They Just because you got there. burned, you can't stop shooting, right? Exactly. If you, you still have to. a position of need, you can't go, oh, but the last time we did this, we drafted an asshole who and, quit on us. And I agree with you. The, the Cobb-Nelson thing is, a, is really, really enticing because those, one of those guys is going to have to take a pay cut probably. Or probably. Or swallow, yeah. swallow some pride there. We call that in these parts an A.J. Hawk because they did the A.J. Hawk like four times. They went to the well and said, you're overpaid for your production. You want to stay here. You're going to have to take And he did it, you know, and he sucked it up. And That must, I, you know, nobody, nobody cries for pro athletes and nobody's going to cry for pro football players. But that would piss me off so much thinking what a brutal game this is. You sign a contract in good faith after you finally get a chance because, remember, your rookie contract is slotted. And you got to wait four years. You finally get a chance. You sign a new contract in good faith. Team says, we love you. We love you. Here's the contract. And then two years into that one, they go, yeah, you're going to have to take a pay cut. Wouldn't that make you better as shit? Oh, knowing absolutely. you torn up your knee, possibly giving your brain CTE, all yeah. this other shit. And they're like, you're going to have to take a pay cut. Hey, fuck you. How about you pay me my money? Yeah, we're gonna have to pay, You're going to have to take a pay cut because we overpaid other dudes. Right. And, you know, right, exactly. We fucked up. So yeah. you're going to have to take it. Yeah, that sucks. And the other thing that I that, that's striking to me, you're right. The Packers are kind of on the sidelines. They're, they're, they're in the discussion for some of these big names. But until they pull the trigger, it's like, okay, we've, we've heard this before, at yeah. least now. Um, the, the, the feeling was that when Ten Thompson was there, he was asleep at his desk and like the, the phone had cobwebs on it. And he wasn't you know, even <laughs> I heard it was disconnected, agency. the phone. Yeah. It went but, nowhere. So now it's like, oh, they're in and they're interested. And, well, that's all great. Like, Muhammad Wilkerson, we're in on him. It's like, okay, is he going to sign? Like they got to yeah. sign one or two of them, you would think. And corner and tight end are at the top of the list. Wide, wide receiver... I don't know if it's a deep draft class or not because there are geeks who study that more closely than me. But the one thing this time of year, Zabe, I always go back to is that I remember Bears fans when Jay Cutler signed. You know, free agency in football is a fucking mirage, man. Oh, the teams yeah. That, you win the offseason, you're going to suck in the real season. Absolutely. The Buccaneers last winter won the oh. free agency offseason. The they Eagles a couple years guys. ago. The Eagles right. a couple years ago. Yeah, like, oh, exactly. they're all, look at all the guys we got. Yeah, And they sucked. <laughs> no. And then somebody had the stat about the percentage of free agents who change teams uh, that make the Pro Bowl, and it's just... It's 9%. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's less than 9%. Yeah. It's, a, it's a tiny amount. You're getting players in free agency that their current team says, meh, you can have them. That's exactly the market. That's, and that's the thing about it. And that, that's the best indicator because that's, there's not a lot of trades in the NFL. Although and there's more now, more which now, is actually still, kind of sexy. I like it. It's a still not a lot. So free agency is what everybody gets all torqued about. And yet, it, you're right. If teams want to keep guys, they keep guys. I'm glad you mentioned the you know the draft nerds that know the exact depth of classes and like to talk about all these hypotheticals. I don't know about you. I have become more and more the guy that says, wait until we sign somebody, and then I'll dig into whether or not I think it's a good signing or not. I'm not going to do all the work ahead of time on a yeah. bunch of deals that will never happen that's a waste of fucking time it's one like, of the uh, one of the few smart things i've done on my show is i've assembled a geek squad of listeners who are really into this stuff and i have them on because their opinions oh. are as good as mcshay and kuiper and these other assholes who are just throwing darts at a board and they live to do it and they live to do it they love it and they work their asses <laughs> off for me and they tell me going in 
who we should be looking at. And they're, they're dialed into the Packers. So I'm not just getting generic sure. across, you know, I'm getting Packer specific information. Packer from super these guys. fans. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So that's one of the few smart things I've done in my radio careers assemble guys like this that we call the Geek Squad. Outsource it. Outsourced it, man. Because I'm like you. Like, who wants to go through and look at tackles? And some of the best draft picks the Packers made, like a Jordy Nelson. People looked at that pick and said, what the hell? They didn't need a wide receiver. He ended up being a great pick. (laughs) Greg Jennings. Oh, he never played against anybody. He's from Western Michigan. He ended up being a great pick. People don't know. A couple years ago, I remember Cooley, my partner, was obsessing about center Alex Mack for the Browns. We got to go get him. We got this guy's great, and he was breaking down the film. We talked about it for days on end. It turns out they end up, you know, hitting him with a new co- like a, a transition tag, so he couldn't leave. And then the next year he goes to Atlanta, I think, and we never got him. And I'm thinking all that wasted time obsessing about Alex Mack, we never got him. <laughs> never. This this cycle, there was a lot of chatter about Allen Robinson from the Jaguars. How about how great he would be as a compliment? And everyone's all getting lathered here. The Redskins got to go get him. Let's go get him. What do you think? Let's da 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 da. And then as soon as the free agency window opens yesterday, and re- deals start getting reported, they're like Bears. And nobody had the Bears, Drew, on anyone's radar screen as to who was going to get Allen Robinson. And I just laughed to myself going, well, that was a fucking waste of time. I hope you guys are happy. That's the whole uh, NFL media industrial complex in a nutshell. We get all lathered up. And then it ends up not being – and at your core, your team is still the guys that you've drafted. Yeah, you know, and and that's the thing is – and they're they're hit and miss. The batting average on the draft, even for the best teams, isn't great. And then little things start these, you know, one or two day tempest in a teacup. Like there is some blog or some website that said, could the Redskins be looking at Lamar Jackson? And so it spurred this whole debate. You know, I think we should. If he's there at 13, he's going to be great. We stash him behind Alex Smith. You never know. We could use him as a goal line guy. And I'm like, people are fucking crazy. That's not going to happen. But if you want to fill time with it, I guess you fill time with it. Yeah, I mean, it, what else are you going to do, <laughs> right? I, I, I'll tell you what I'm also going to do. I'm going to talk about shit that has already happened or shit that is actual news. That is, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's there very is stuff high-minded out there. of you. There is well, stuff there is, out there. There's plenty of stuff out there. There's a fascinating article uh, from Sports Business Daily about how the NFL-ESPN relationship has never been worse and how the two organizations kind of really hate each other now. ESPN hates the NFL because they've been charging them an arm and a leg for their Monday night package, which has included the shittiest of games. Yeah. And the NFL hates ESPN because all Bob Lee and them do is run stories about concussions and sexual <laughs> assault, abuse, domestic yeah. abuse. And they've got all these investigative reports that make Roger Goodell look like a fool. I love it. I, I love the fact that ESPN and NFL, uh, the NFL are fighting with each other. And I've, yet, they need each other to exist. It's just, it's an ugly marriage, but they have to stay in it for the kids. They, they, they have. <laughs> that's the thing. They have needed each other, but that's starting to break apart. Well, yeah, but because ESPN's ES- starting to go over the top with this digital thing that they're yeah. all in with, and they kind of need some NFL because, you know, and, all due respect, the MLS is popular and all, but it ain't the NFL. And apparently ESPN used to have a clause in its contract with its cable companies that it distributes to that if they drop the nfl if they were out of the nfl business that their per subscriber fee would drop by like half so that was going to cost them a lot of money well espn has been quietly renegotiating deals with all these cable outlets time warner and charter and whatever that takes that provision out of it so now espn is less dependent on the nfl and the nfl is partnering more with the other networks like they're going to do a 
I, I think Fox is going to do a draft show as well as ESPN and the NFL Network. That's that's interesting because uh, how did it work for the NHL when ESPN turned its back? Uh, not good. They basically disappeared off the radar. It, it didn't help, and so but it, but the it, NFL is tenuous though. though. Yeah, the NFL is different. different, and the ESPN it's it's a more tenuous market now. But and obviously the NFL is more established as the leader. But man, that that's um, ESPN still moves the needle. It does. Hey, uh, you and I failed to get into the. 64 most annoying people in sports media bracket for March Madness. How do you feel about this? Are you disappointed like I am? I yeah. I mean, I'd love. You to wanted be to be in there because yeah. if you're hated, absolutely, then you're known at least. Yeah. So let's go down the list here, and you just if you know somebody to be a bad guy or bad girl, just say it. Okay. Uh, number one seeds. Well, the number one seeds are Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless, Jamel Hill. And Britt McHenry. Ooh. Britt McHenry is too insignificant to be a one seed, but okay. She is, yeah, absolutely. People do hate her. Polarizing. Um, uh, Jamel Hill I've met and actually like. Oh, you have? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I actually like uh, Jamel Hill. And Skip and, and Stephen A are... Everybody hates them, but it's a mixture of jealousy because of what they achieve. But it's also... It's a, it's a jealousy it's, of what they make money-wise. Yeah, and I marvel at, you know, they're, they're actors. I mean, no one gets that worked up about... Shit that they couldn't possibly but they're shitty be passionate actors. about, and that's well, that's true too. But they're they they've taken that, they've created that niche for themselves, and um, boy, the money tree is no, you know, it's bearing a lot of fruit. Eight nine seed Kornizer versus Wilbon. Oh come on, those are two likable guys. Okay, I, I happen to like those guys. I mean, I, I, who who do they offend? I know, I know, I know too much about both guys to to make any comment whatsoever. Out, yeah, I'm, a, I'm I'm an outsider, <laughs> and I, I just happen to like both of them. Now, I'll I'll say this: one of the, the one thing about Wilbon that gets me is he's an old school guy. Like he's uh, I don't even know how how old is Mike. He's a little older, a little older, little older than older. me. He's in our a little older 55, than me. Fifty-five, so. I want to say. Yeah, he's a little he's older than me, and his he's old school enough to the point where his fandom. Uh, he he got on that Bill Simmons. It's okay to be a fan train. And I, I I got issues with that that whole you know, him having his northwestern and, helmet behind yeah, him on that, PTI that, that um, you know oh, yeah. we came up in an era when you know if you wore a, any kind of team thing to the sports office you got you know they were bagging on you you basically had to go home and change yeah <laughs> you know that uh, was five <laughs> twelve matchup Mark May versus Mike Lupica Mark May is not even in the spotlight anymore oh Mark May yeah who he used to be on ESPN he's a five exactly. seed come on the spun no, no you chance to, you need to step up your game and Lupica is also not really that relevant because they canceled the sports reporters right yeah Lupica is um, still writing couch columns he he had his his day he's what um, are couch columns. Um, guys who, uh, guys who write columns uh, off games they watch on their couch oh, and don't, okay. don't talk to people and you know, <laughs> couch columns. I love it. Yeah, a lot of couch columns there. He was, you know, and and, and, and they're the kind I, of guys, yeah. columnists who call the beat guys and say what's going on with the team, what's it? and then the beat guys give it up because they like to talk, and then the the columnists will cut will write stuff like that. Oh. to make it seem like they're inside, but they're really not. The columnist then writes something in his couch column that is explosive. And the shit then explodes in the locker room, and the beat guys have to go clean up the mess. A lot of times, that yeah. they help make because I, they gave yeah. a little nugget to a couch columnist who wrote about it and still hasn't that, showed up to ask people directly. That happens, uh, yeah, more than you think. I do love this bite from Seinfeld though regarding Lupica. Uh, who do you read? 
I, uh, I like Mike Lupica. <laughs> Mike Lupica? He's a sports writer for the Daily News. <laughs> I find him very insightful. No, no, no. I mean, I mean authors. Yes. Uh, Dan Dockage versus Katie Nolan, a four versus 13. I love Dockage, but he's on a lot of people's shit lists. And Katie Nolan, I got nothing against. I just think she is so overrated. Yeah. I don't get it on what people see in her. She's a cute girl who knows sports, who's sassy. That's, that's yeah, it. that's true. There's not, I mean, show us something. I, I I don't, you're right. She's unproven, but she's moved up the chain. Seth Davis versus Keith Olbermann. Can you believe Olbermann is back on ESPN? Uh, no, because uh, where is he buried? On the Ocho? Because I don't see him. He does. No, I, he's been he's doing, doing some star turns on PTI. Yeah. Uh, some guest turns, I should say. Not star turns, but just guest turns there. And he did some long commentary about half-court promotional shots becoming more and more common at basketball games. Ooh, that's groundbreaking. Yeah, they had highlights of apparently there's been a lot of half-court shots by fans that have gone in for a car or ten grand or a lifetime supply of chimichangas. Yeah, we had there was a one guy that won like twelve pizzas. Like yeah. medium pizzas, and he went nuts. Like he won a car or something. Yeah, uh, Seth Three Davis. Versus... I like Seth Davis's work. You do? Though, don't you? Yeah, I kind of like Seth. I he's think he's all right. Of, he's a bit of a weasel. Uh, yeah, third, okay. se- third seed. Paul Feinbaum versus the Spun, which is the website that did this. I have no idea what the Spun is. I just found out about it now. So whatever. I like Feinbaum. I have nothing against Feinbaum. I mean, Feinbaum is um, like a Cracker Barrel. I mean, it's a regional. Yeah. It's, it's, like a, you, it's a regional it's item and House. a comfort food. Aaron Andrews versus Max Kellerman. Oh, man. I, I, Max, once in a while, can bring it for me. He's a little over the top, but once in a while he brings it for me, and Aaron Andrews is just, you know, dancing with the stars. Kellerman capes ever... up a bit too much with his wokeness and his social uh, little bit, little social bit. justice But every once in a while he has a take that makes me go, oh, okay, okay, yeah. He, 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 I think Aaron Andrews is the, one of the most gorgeous women in the world, but I think she's a bit uptight. In sports, she's irrelevant, though. What does she do? I mean, what does she – I mean, she's dancing with the stars. I mean – She's the She's like the the number one sideline gal in all. Give sports. her the soft focus. Yeah, but look look at the way they use. The, the, there's the no information coming there though. It doesn't matter. Yeah, she's a star. And that's just, uh, two you know. seed Darren Ravel versus 15 seed John Rothstein. I have no idea who John Rothstein is. I like Ravel. I know he's a bit of a dweeb, and I know he overestimates his importance, but. I like him. What can I, I saw say? him get his ankles broken uh, playing basketball yes. just the other day, and that made me laugh. Um, I like his his tweets and information. He's a little over the top personally, but there's good information yeah. there, so he gets a pass. Uh, one versus sixteen. Bayless versus Sage Steele. I know Sage. She is a wonderful human being. I know I, people don't like her because she's conservative. God forbid. Bayless, I think, is the fucking worst, and I, think, I can't uh, stand him. Sage, uh, on air, Sage is smooth and professional. And <laughs> Sorry about that. My fingers got stuck. Uh, <laughs> uh, 8-9, Stugatz versus Pablo Torre. Stugatz, Stugatz is funny, man. Is an exceptional talent. He He's is character. a He's great, great character yeah. Big that fan. is not a character He's his genuine self. Uh, I can't believe anyone would think he's annoying. Pablo Torre is just basically a zilch. I don't get what Pablo Torre brings to the table, but whatever. Bomani Jones is a five seed. Man, this guy thinks his shit does not stink. Sarah Spain is a 12 seed. Oh, same type of person. That's a tough 5-12. I can't decide that one. That is a tough one. Um, I, I I like Bomani. I think it, Bomani's... It, you get to a level where you're in danger of being overexposed in a way. 
Yeah, but he's, maybe, he's not exposed now. He's waiting to start a TV show. I mean, yeah, he, that was, he can't talk about, and his radio show has gone to a podcast. He so was reaching. Figure. He was reaching saturation, though, so it's good for him to to retool. And Sarah Spain seems to be on the rise for reasons that what? I don't right, know, Midwestern girl, sassy yeah. sports. I mean, right, you know, right. Uh, Bill Simmons four seed. That's way too low. For most yeah. annoying person, he is a one seed. Who's kidding who? There's no doubt. Yeah. Barkley as a 13 seed is underseeded in that regard. Uh, see, I love Charles as a person, and he cracks me up routinely. And I've interviewed Charles, and he's one of the best interviews. He's fantastic. But when it comes to sitting him on a panel to talk about shit that he hasn't watched or doesn't care about, it, it's like, okay, you know. Uh, six versus 11, Doug Gottlieb versus Tim Tebow. Interesting contrast in styles. Gottlieb has a interesting background, and I've heard from people who know him that don't say the nicest of things, but I think he's okay on the air. Tebow, I mean, what is he? Tebow's just a really nice, sweet guy who thinks he can play baseball. Yeah. Just like he thought he could play quarterback. I have no umbrage against Tim Tebow. Me either. Jason Whitlock, three seed versus 14 seed Albert Breer. I love Whitlock. My friend Jay hates Whitlock. Breer, I think, is okay. I love Whitlock too. He's a shit stirrer, but he's he's good at it, and he's he brings it. He delivers the goods. Um, he's a good columnist. When he was a local columnist in Kansas City, he was fantastic. Yeah, Greenberg versus Golick, seven versus ten. Look, Greenberg may be a nice guy. If I sat next to him on a plane in first class, I'd relocate to coach in the back aisle of the plane. I could <laughs> yeah. not stand to sit there and listen to him. Uh, Golick is a decent enough guy, but you know, kind of generic. Jim Rome, he's still around. A two seed. Versus oh, 15 on. seed Richard Deitch, formerly of SI.com. Now the athletic, yeah. Now he's going to the athletic. Yeah, I like Richard Deitch. He, he, you know, he, he gets in and mixes it up. I don't have time for the other side of the bracket, but I'll just give you the highlights. So we mentioned Hill and McHenry being the one seeds. The two seeds in the spun.com most annoying sports media people bracket. The two seeds are Colin Coward and Clay Travis. Those two guys could win the whole damn thing if they weren't in the same side of the bracket. Yeah. They, they, they were um, – if you're going one – yeah, Britt McHenry, come on. It's got to be Cowherd or Travis. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, McHenry is way too small of a of a fish, I think. Yeah. Not so. even in sports anymore, is she? she? Oh, she's doing D.C. local stuff or Britt something? Britt McHenry? Yeah. Basically not in sports. She's repositioning herself as a conservative political commentator. And is there all, is there a place in in conservative conservative political commentary for a uh, an for attractive a bleached, blonde for a good looking bleached blonde <laughs> Can there, young there, woman? Of course, is there an opening? Is there? Fox News already has a roster <laughs> that is twelve deep on that front. But believe me, they can always use another they, one. They remind me of Austin Powers' fembots. <laughs> so it's by the way, of where where's the hot liberal commentator? Why not um, fight fire with fire? Yeah, they, that's not the way they play on that side. They I they guess not. I mean, the, they don't it, have it in them. Here's the thing: people love watching attractive people on television, men or women. It's not complicated. It is not even arguable. Yeah, so if don't you put wanna, them behind a desk if they have nice wheels, right? So, so <laughs> if you want people to listen to your point of view politically and to agree with your worldview, wouldn't you want the most attractive messenger possible? Uh, that's I'm just idea. saying that's that's it's, um, it's a formula that's proven to work. I'm just saying. Okay, what have we missed today in our weekly visit? And it's good to be back with you. What else have we missed that needs attention? Oh God, Selection that you were Sunday. Dying to talk about. Okay, go ahead and unload on that show on Sunday. 
It was a train wreck. Um, good job, good effort. I was at the gym actually because I. This is my time of the year when I eat a lot of beer, uh, eat a lot of wings, and drink a lot of beer. Right, and you're trying so, to get over goo try, season. I'm trying to get over the yeah the tub of goo season. So I uh, was at the gym and and I turned on CBS because that's tradition. Even though I knew that it was on TBS this year, somehow and I missed the first the reveal of the alphabetical, and I turned in right after that. Oh. So you kind of saw a more traditional show. Those I, of I us did. who were there at six a six p.m. sharp got to sit there and go, "What the fuck?" And are I got they to doing? follow the social media afterwards, like, oh, "What the fuck?" Yeah. And the lights went out, and the it was just it was a train wreck of epic proportions because they tried to, you know, basically it's this could be a fifteen minute show because we just want the information. And we did you brackets. see? Did you see what Ernie Johnson said in response to the criticism? No, I didn't see. He said. I you know I don't I think we did a good job we had fun with the show I don't, I don't get the criticism I'm like yeah you thought you had fun yeah he ate a slice of pizza you got hot you got paid for that <laughs> and you got to eat free pizza of course you had fun yeah. we're the customers what do you think we did we had to watch that shit did we it need a sucked. studio audience that looked like it was um, focus grouped and like here you sit in the front and hold a North right. Carolina sign and yeah, you sit exactly. in the back and out of central casting we needed these fake fans. And we needed a studio audience to to build. No, this they is... looked like a bunch of Frank Luntz CNN poll rejects. Exactly, and it was it, it used to be the the quiet was part of the drama. It was like okay, it's all you know right. And then we're going to focus go to the, your attention exactly. And we're going to the southeast, and it was that was they fucked it up, and yeah. it was like that they, they took a show that's one of the best shows, and the, the people look forward to that more than a lot of shows on TV and sports shows, especially for a non athletic event, and yet they screwed it up. The best thing I heard in the wake of that was simply, I want every producer on that show to get fired alphabetically. (laughs) That's pretty good. I thought, I think Andrew Marchand said something, oh man, I'm trying to think of what his lead was, but he had something really clever that I thought, oh, I got to tell Zabe about that. Well, you forgot. You you had one thing to do, Drew, and you fucked it up today. Story of my life. All right. So the uh, Brewers named their starter for the uh, opening day, right? Chase Anderson, he uh, deserving fellow, was their best pitcher last year, and that is uh, it's funny because when you go to spring training, we're, as a we're beat like guy, three weeks away still. Yeah, three. Weeks Why do away you have to, to name so early? Well, a lot of teams will do it right when camp opens. Oh, There's really? Two different ways. I remember. Yeah, I remember the Red Sox did it one year. I think Jimmy Williams was their manager, and and it's like. You know, why'd you name your opening day starter? Because otherwise you guys would have killed a lot of trees trying to figure out who it was. We just thought we'd get it out of the way. And I had, uh, there was experience one time I was covering the Brewers and they had a guy that, they, they pulled that. Because it used to be a lot of drama. Phil Garner was the manager, old Scrap Iron. would We'd play the cat and mouse game. And I would do the math based on when guys start in spring and go, you know, five days, five days, five days. And I'd map it out because, you know, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure out that that's how it's going to go. And I would speculate and stuff. And then one year he just came and named a starting pitcher. <laughs> On the first day, he said, okay, Scott Carl starting opening day, so we don't have to play this bullshit. I said, okay, great, Scott Carl's going to start. And through the six week of camp, Scott Carl, who remains a friend of mine and is a great guy, shit his socks so badly that they had to take the assignment away from him <laughs> and gave it to this kid named Rafael Roque, who was right out of double A, basically. And he Whoops. started the first game yeah. and was probably in the pantheon of Brewers opening day starters is the least accomplished. And that's not saying a lot for Rafael Roque. You know what? Let's not overthink it, people. There's 161 more of these. That's what I love about opening day. People, when your team loses opening day, everybody's crushed like the season's over. And then you realize, oh, we got this. Every day for six months. All right, Drew Olson, you can hear him every day on the big.
Big 920 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You can also follow him on Twitter at Drew Wilson MKE. I actually I emceed an event this weekend, and I had a guy come up to me that was a one percenter, Zabe. I love it. We you love one percenters. Big one percenter, big fan. All right, very good. Drew, we'll talk to you next week, bud. Thanks. You bet. We'll end with this. I don't know if you followed the story, but apparently pop star Katy Perry, who is certainly on the downward arc of her career of fame. I believe her current album is not selling very well. Her current tour is not doing very well. I think her current haircut is not doing anything for me. I used to be a huge Katy Perry fan in the peak of her uh, musical career during the Teenage Dream and uh, Last Friday Night, da-da-da-da-da. You know, her good pop ditties. And a little bit after that as well. She's uh, apparently now, she can add murderer to her resume. Aha, I'm kidding. She didn't murder anybody, but... She's apparently been she has apparently been trying to buy what had been a nun's convent in Los Angeles, a big compound on a prime piece of real estate. And the real estate transaction has been the subject of litigation for some time now. And Katy Perry, even though this nun or these nuns didn't want to give up the property, was insistent that she had made a fair and square deal to acquire it and she was not going to back out of it. That despite all the other mansions she could probably afford in Hollywood, in Beverly Hills, no, no, this was the one she wanted. So the thing has been going through court, and just two days ago, the 89-year-old nun who was in this court case battling super pop megastar Katy Perry and her army of lawyers collapsed and died. Oof. Talk about a dagger. So I'm sure Katy Perry is distraught about this. I'm sure she's going to say the right things without compromising her image and reputation and or legal standing. But deep down, do you really think she's that sad? Me personally, from a karma standpoint, no way I could do that. As soon as the nun said, hey man, we don't want to sell this place, I would find a way to back out of the deal, even if it meant losing a little bit of money, like less than a million dollars. From a karma standpoint, oh no. I'm not going to be suing a bunch of nuns over their convent. Get out of here. And I certainly don't want it on my record when I someday arrive at the pearly gates. So let's see here. Oh, yes. And then you killed the nun with your litigation. Hmm. Well, well, well. That'll do it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to Drew Olson. You know the drill. Tell two friends and your massage therapist. Leave a positive review. Download and subscribe all the major podcast outlets. iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, SoundCloud. I believe we've now added... Spotify, and we're going to add Stitcher as well. And as I always say, it's not a waste of time unless you had something much more important to do. We'll see you next time, everybody. Everybody.